Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and this is Truth Quest Podcast, Q&A at our new time. We are now going to have our Q&A from 4 to 5. If you have a question, then write out the word question, put it in front of your question, then write out your question. Uh, make sure it makes sense before you submit it. If you have any references, then put your references in your question and we'll get to them in order. We have four places that this is showing up, three places on Facebook and also on YouTube. So we're really glad that you joined us. We have our first question that was put in our comment section earlier that has to do about the nation of Israel. The question is, what does it mean that a lot of Jewish people have returned to Israel? At the turn of between the 18th and 1800s and 1900s, there were only a few thousand Jews that were in Israel. But the Bible had prophesied that God was going to bring them back from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. Jesus even prophesied this. In fact, I have a passage here to show you uh, Jesus' prophecy. And here it says in Luke 21, 24, it says, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. This happened in 70 AD. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Israel returned to the land in 48. They became a nation. In the first part of the 1900s, God brought more and more people back in. Today, there's somewhere around 6 million Jews that live in Israel itself. God said that he would bring them back in and Jesus said Jerusalem would be trampled underfoot by the, by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Well, that happened in 73, Israel, or 67. Israel took control of Jerusalem for the first time in 2,000 years. And today we're seeing that they're gaining more and more control. This doesn't mean that we think that Israel is doing everything correctly. But what it does mean is that God's word is coming true. And also look at this next passage. This is out of Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 11 and 12. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set out his hand again a second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. The first time would be to regather them from Babylon. They were taken into, from captivity into Babylon. The second time would be when they return after the Romans destroyed and, and dispersed them all around the world. He goes on to say, from Pathos and Cush, from Elim and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea, he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the far corners of the earth. What an amazing promise of God. Yes, Israel is a sign. And there's a lot more passages than what we were covering here that tell us that God is going to be faithful to Israel, bring them back into the land, restore the land, establish them. In Isaiah, excuse me, in Ezekiel, you have the prophecy of the dry bones. The dry bones start to rattle and they come back together and skin is put on them and weapons in their hands. This is a prophecy of Israel. Go read it in context. God brought them together after World War II where some of them were only just skin and bones. And God made them a nation that is able to stand today. And so it is a sign that we are living in the last days. Uh, it is a strong sign that we're living in the last days. And that's what it means. Uh, God brought them back from the north, the south, the east, and the west. When I was in my 20s, I was youth pastor in Calvary Chapel of Albuquerque and I was watching the news and it said that 
some Ethiopian Jews had come back to, had come to uh, Jerusalem or Israel and were being received and had a, had a membership. They became citizens of Israel. And I thought, the Bible says something about that. And I went and I looked it up and sure enough, God says, I will call them out of Ethiopia. I was watching it take place, the, what the Bible said would happen right in front of my eyes. And sometimes we forget that we are living that way. We are seeing the Bible come true in our days. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus is for sure gonna come back within the next few years. Maybe, I think probably, but what it does mean is that we should look up and live our lives the way we're supposed to because the Jew has returned to Jerusalem just as Jesus said. There's another passage, by the way, that talks about the time of the Gentiles and that's in uh, Romans chapter 11, I think it's 25 and 26, where God says blindness in part has happened to Israel, but uh, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and then they will all be saved. Zechariah 12.10 says that God will pour out a spirit of mercy and grace on Jerusalem and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only son when they look at me whom they pierced. These are all promises about Israel returning to Jerusalem and, and Israel, the people of Israel, and it speaks to us of all of the great things that God is doing today, and we should be excited about Israel today and what God is doing in it. So I'm glad to see you guys, glad to have you here. If you have a question, then put, your word, put the word question or question mark in front of your question, and then write out your question, reread it a couple of times, make sure that it makes sense, and then we'll go ahead and bring it in and look at it. So we have a question from Andre. Andre, I hope I have better uh, luck answering your question this time than last week. I remember last week I just kind of said, I'm not sure, uh, or last uh, Wednesday night. Question, post Lake of Fire, Revelation 2015, who are the kings of Revelation 21-24 ruling over? It's a new heaven and a new earth. Where did these people come from? We just ruled the region during the millennium. Well, again, as usual, Andre, you have really good questions. Let me go ahead and look at this. I'm gonna pull up uh, the book of Revelation and we are going to see if we can't figure that out. Revelation 21, thanks for putting these references in there. Andre, I appreciate that. Revelation 21, 24 says, Let's see if I can get this. The glory of the new Jerusalem. Let's start in verse 22 and we'll see if we can figure out anything from the text. I'm not sure um, that I'm gonna have any answers to it, but let's just take a look and see if we can see it. But I saw a new temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are in its temple. The city had no need of sun or of moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light and the nations of those who were saved shall walk in its light, and there shall be kings of the earth bringing their glory and honor to it. Its gates shall not be shut at all, day or night. There shall be no night there." Uh, so again, I think there are certain things, first of all, there are certain things that I might need to take a look at more, it's been a long time since I've been in the book of Revelation, and I know, Andre, that I use that as an excuse quite often, but it's really true. The Bible is a big book, and um, I may need to look more in this, but just looking at it and answering off the top of my head, which is what we're doing in a Q&A, right? 
I would say it looks like there's the new Jerusalem and it looks like there's a new earth and that there's nations ruling there and there are people that are ruling there with them. And I don't know that we have a complete and total picture. The Bible says the revealed things belong to us, the hidden things belong to God. I think it's a very good question and I'd love to take time to look it up, but off of the top of my head, I'm not sure exactly what that means. And um, bring another question on our next Q&A that I have to end up saying, I don't quite know what that means. Andre, good question. Um, I think it's good, but I think perhaps it's something that you and I can't know. If uh, you find out any other information of that or related passages, let me know. And by the way, if you guys have any more questions about Israel returning back to the land and the significance to us today, or about Andre's question about after the millennium, the new heavens and the new earth, and that there's kings and rulers there, if you have any other questions that relate to that, we can take them as follow-up questions, all right? Um, so Psychman45, good to see you. Psychman says, I disagree with 1 Corinthians 15, 19. I'm not sure that's a good way to begin. Maybe it's I don't understand, or but I don't know about I disagree with. Uh, I disagree with 1 Corinthians 15, 19. I ask God why Paul would say such a thing. What do you think? God could say that would make me feel like that was a silly question not claiming he answered me. Okay, uh, well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 19 and see what that is. Um, and we'll take a look at what your disagreement is with it. Psych man, all right? So 1 Corinthians um, 1 Corinthians 15, I'm gonna make sure I got the right one when I start to read it here. Um, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile you are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men, we of all men are the most pitiful. All right, psych man, let me try to help you understand what Paul is saying here. Paul is dealing with people who are denying the resurrection. It's like today, some in progressive Christianity say that they're Christians, but they don't believe that Jesus ever rose from the dead. They're denying the, 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 the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying in this section is, it's so crucial to you and me that Jesus rose from the dead, that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we are not saved. Then we don't have eternal life now. Then we haven't been transformed then everything that we're believing is a lie. So these people are living their lives as if they know Christ and are walking with them, and then they're denying the resurrection. And Paul is saying the resurrection is so crucial to who we are in Christ, we can't deny it. In fact, in Romans 10.10, it says, if we believe that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which here he's talking about, I'm gonna go back um, let me bring this up here. I'm, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this and I want to show you what the gospel is. Um, because the gospel includes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get you up on here screen for you here. And it says here, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you are saved. 
So the gospel, they received it, they stand in it, and they are saved. A little bit later on, he's going to talk about believing in it. So you receive it, you stand in it, and you believe it. The gospel, Paul says to the Corinthians, is the power of God to salvation. Without the gospel, you can't be saved. And he says, by which you also are saved and hold fast to the word which I've preached to you unless you believed in vain. Now this is they could believe in the resurrection, but not have it change their lives. They could have demonic, the demonic faith James talked about. Demons believe and tremble. So people believe, but they don't change their lives. That's demonic faith. And you can believe in vain because you don't receive him. You don't begin to live for him. You don't find yourself truly transformed by him. So then he says, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is the first part of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That is, this is prophecy. It was foretold in Isaiah 53, all of our iniquity would be laid upon him, that he would die for the sins of mankind. He would be cut off from the earth. And, and other passages that talk about him dying for our sins, it was foretold. Now, if you don't believe Jesus died for our sins, then how can you ever believe you have salvation? This is the very essence or heart of salvation. You can't be saved and born again if you don't believe that Jesus died for our sins. It's a matter of not believing it. I don't believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but I'm a Christian. You can't be. It's one of the things that Christians do. They believe God and they believe that Jesus died for their sins. And then he says again in verse four, and that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the second part of the gospel. They buried him and he rose again and that was foretold. In Psalm 1610, you will not allow your holy one to see corruption. In Isaiah 53, uh, he will be cut off from the land of the living and yet he shall see his days. And other passages like Psalms 22, that prophesy about a resurrection. So if you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then you aren't really saved. And if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you're not really saved. Why? Because you're not believing in him. So the Bible says in John 1 verse 12, as many as receive him, he gives the power or the right to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. The Bible says of Abraham, he believed God and it was accounted to him righteousness. What he believed is that his descendants were going to be like the stars of the sky and it was accounted to him righteousness. So if you say, I don't believe in the resurrection, you are saying, I don't believe God. And so if someone says, I do not believe in the resurrection, then the passage that you pointed out to us comes into play. These are people that don't believe in the resurrection. And I want to get back to it again. It's um, verse 19. So I went too far here. So I want to get back to it. I want to put it up on the screen and read it again to you now that we understand that believing in the resurrection is essential. Uh, let's see, 15, 19, right? 15, 18, and 19. Christ having perished. All right, yeah. So let me get back here. And um, I want to start in verse 12. And I want to read this. And now that we know that there are people who are denying the resurrection, just like today, that say they're Christians, we're progressive Christians, but I don't believe in the resurrection. Well, listen to what Paul says about that. Now, now if Christ has preached that he has been risen from the dead, 
Um, now, if Christ has preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no, sorry, I'm going to get that rid of that. How do some among you say there is no resurrection from the dead? This is the issue, psych man. People are saying that there is no resurrection that are among them. The church at Corinth, uh, I heard someone say re recently, was a dumpster fire. They were a mess. And so there were people saying Jesus didn't rise from the dead. What does that mean for those who believe that? And so it says in verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty and your faith is also in vain because it takes the resurrection of Jesus. That's, what the, what, that's what's being preached. That's the heart of the gospel is the resurrection of Christ. And so if people are denying it, they're not really Christians and our faith is in vain. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, if it didn't happen in history, then you and I are the most pitiful. He goes on to say, our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. We're telling a lie because we're saying he rose from the dead and we're telling a lie when he didn't really rise from the dead. It says, um, whom he, um, because we have testified uh, that we're a false witness because we have testified that God, that he had raised up uh, Christ whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. They all, then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If this life only, in this life only, we have hope in Christ, we are of men all the most pitiable. And that's the verse that you said you disagreed with. I think when you understand this like man, you're not gonna disagree with it. I think that you realize that there were people who were believing um, that there was no resurrection from the dead. We know that was the case with the Sadducees, right? But also in the Corinthian church, there were those who believed that there was no resurrection from the dead. And so that caused great problems in their lives. Uh, when, when I find something in the word of God that I disagree with, the problem is probably with me and not with the word of God. You want to find out more, why does it say this? Instead of having that, that heart or that attitude that I, I disagree with this, I would say, first of all, I, miss, I don't understand this. I don't understand what it means. And then go back and try to figure out what it means. So yeah, if Christ is not risen, then we are the most pitiable. pitiable. Then we are not saved. Our dead ones are not in heaven. And so this teaching in churches and progressive Christianity today that Christ isn't risen is a heresy at the very heart of Christianity. I don't know what they are, but they are not Christians. All right, psych man, thank you for your question. I appreciate your honesty as you share that question with us, and I hope that that answers your question. And by the way, you can give follow-ups to that question. I'll look at this later on, and if things aren't really clear, I will, if there's more questions on it, I'll look at starting our next Q&A with this question again because it is such an important one. All right, so we have a question uh, about the rewards in heaven. This comes from Paul. Paul says, um, hi, Pastor Robert. Hi, Paul, good to see you. What are your thoughts on rewards in heaven through the good works we do? Does the Bible refer to heavenly rewards besides 
what is said in Luke 19, 15 through 19. So that's the um, parable of the minus where we receive rewards if we're faithful with the things that God gives us, okay? Um, yeah, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the Bema seat reward. And it says that they are going to be tested by fire. The things we do are tested by fire. And that which is wood, stay and wood, wood, hay, and stubble will be burned away. And only that that remains will we receive a reward on. I don't know, Paul, what our rewards are exactly. I know we're rewarded with a relationship with Christ. I know that there seems to be different rewards in heaven. I think, you ask for my thoughts on rewards. I think someone like me that's up in front of people all the time can be doing things to be seen, can be doing, putting messages together so people will say that was a good message. Even though you're teaching the truth, even though everything you're doing is right, if I'm doing it with the wrong motive, instead of wanting to see people learn the truth, follow Christ, live for him, then that's gonna be wood, hay, and stubble. Jesus said, when you do your good works, do them in such a way that when men see your good works, they glorify your Father in heaven. He also said, do them in secret so they will be rewarded openly by your Father. So God does reward us for the things that we do. And there are rewards in heaven. Now in the book of Revelation, the 24 elders cast their crowns before the Lord. Their gifts to God. He gives them the gifts. And I think that there might be something there that we, that we might cast our crowns before God, that we might get rewards and then be able to give those rewards to him. Because remember, Paul, in heaven, we have everything. We are co-heirs together with Christ. And to the same church, the Corinthians, he said in Corinthians chapter one, you have everything. They thought there was so much they didn't have. There was so much that they just did not understand. But he said, you have everything. You have it all. All right, so those are my thoughts on rewards and um, I, I want them. I wanna do things right. I want the rewards that God wants to give me. Uh, I wanna do things because I love him. But if he chooses to give me rewards, then I wanna receive the rewards that he has. So I do believe that we are gonna re uh, receive rewards and I do believe we are gonna stand before the Bema judgment seat. By the way, in Corinth, if you ever get a chance to go over to, this is in Greece, where you've got southern Greece, where you've got um, the, it's a canal now, it used to be an isthmus, where they would take the, the boats over. Um, they've uncovered in the ruins of Corinth, the Bema seat for Corinth, the one Paul stood before. And you read the story about Paul in the book of Acts before the Bema seat in, in, uh, in the city of Corinth. It's an amazing account. And a Bema seat was a place in the city where they ruled and judged from. And so you and I will go before the Bema seat for our rewards, but we're not gonna go before the great white throne. That's where the books are opened. And those that have been resurrected to the second death are judged. So God's not gonna send them into punishment without judging them first and showing them what it was that they're being judged for. All right, so thank you, Paul, for your question. I appreciate that. I wanna thank you guys all uh, for joining us. It is good to have you here. I hope that you guys continue uh, to draw close to Christ and to live wholeheartedly for him. Uh, we have another question from Barbara. Barbara joins us from Facebook. Barbara says, question, 
I've recently attended a very small Calvary and the pastor had people raise their Bibles and say, it's the ultimate authority, the sword, etc. Afterwards, he said, and all of the saints said, amen. It was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with this. I know pastors have different ways. I'm wondering about your thoughts. Um, Barbara, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, it um, I, I do some things at services that other pastors don't do. I do a blessing at the end of it. I'll usually do the priestly blessing. There's other ones, but may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Um, I have people lift up their hands in prayer. Like the Bible says, let men, I, w- I would everywhere men would lift up their, their holy hands in prayer. And I have people lift up their hands and then we pray at the end of our service. Not every church does that. And some pe- somebody might come in and feel uncomfortable with it. I know that Joel Osteen has his little statement, pick up your Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. And then he goes on with that. My problem with what Joel Osteen does is his little mantra isn't about obedience to God and obedience to the word. It's about me. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. The mantra there is about me, what the Bible says about me. I would rather it be about God. Lord, this is your word. I want to discover what your word says and I want to live for you. So I don't know that I would be critical of him doing this. And I don't think, I can't think of anything in the Bible that would say that someone can't lift up their Bible and have people repeat it after them. He may just be trying to do what Joel Osteen does, but do it in a better way. So let me look at, um, make sure I got what you said here. He says, um, rise their Bibles and say, it's the ultimate authority. That's good, right? It is the ultimate authority. We want to, it's God's word. It's alive. It's active. It's the sword. So it's the sword of the spirit by which we do spiritual battle with is which that means and etc. Afterwards, he said, and all the saints say, amen. And everybody said, amen. Not a problem with that either. So um, Barbara, I think it's okay that it's not a problem. It probably was just something different that you hadn't done before. And so you were feeling that way. All right. So thank you very much, Barbara, for that question. Let me grab one of my waters here. Um, thank you very much for that question. And I hope that answers your question. If you still have questions, uh, then you can go ahead and ask them uh, when we are done. All right. So uh, we have another question. Um, I have another question from Empress Kimberly. All right, Empress, let's bring that in. Do you think God will include the lost tribes of Israel when he brings them back to Israel? Or do you think they're gone forever? This is an interesting subject because I don't think that the lost tribes of Israel were ever lost. Remember, Paul was a Benjamite. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrew of the stock of Benjamin, the lost tribes of Israel. Um, I think that there were others that knew who they were. So Israel got taken captive by Assyria. Now remember, Israel is divided at this point into two nations. They've had a civil war. And there is the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. And Israel gets taken by the Assyrians. Sennacherib attacks uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Isaiah and Hezekiah stand their ground. And Judah is not taken. 
and later on they will be taken captive by the Babylonians. And we read of the Babylonian release, but we also read that there are those from the Assyrian times who made their way back. So the Bible never talks about the lost tribes. It may be that there were far less from the other tribes than there were of Judah, but it doesn't mean they were ever lost, that they were assimilated into the communities that they were taken into, that they didn't stand and keep their own identity. Uh, I don't find that teaching in scripture. I find people who wanna believe it, but I don't find that teaching in scripture. Um, and I have found a few verses and I'm trying to, I was trying to think, Kimberly, what they were, but I found a few verses that would show that there are not a lot, there, there are not lost tribes of Israel. That uh, during the days of Jesus, um, that there were, well, for example, there were Levites, right? Because um, John the Baptist's dad was a Levite. Paul was a Benjamite. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. And I think the Bible gives us a few other people that were from different tribes. So I don't think that they got lost. I just think they got diminished. And um, yes, God's including them in Israel. I believe they're being brought back into the land today. Uh, they're talking about being able to do DNA among the Jewish people to be able to go back and find out what 12 different tribes they're from. I don't know that they'll be able to identify what tribe it is, but they'll be able to identify the 12 tribes. I, I read about that a while ago. I don't know where that's at. I don't know how legitimate it is, all right? It's just something that I read about I was interested in. So I don't think that there are lost tribes. I just think there's diminished tribes. And um, uh, Judah came back from Babylon after they were taken there, and Israel came back from Assyria after they were taken there, all right? So thank you, Kimberly, for your question. I appreciate that. It is a good one, and I think today we have Daniel here, and we have Daniel here who are our moderators. Good to see you guys. Um, Daniel has a question. Um, good to see you, Daniel. Daniel says, if a TV show or movie had a main character that was practicing or being affected by occult practices such as powers, spirits, personalities, demonic possession, should we watch it? Well, that's a really good question. Um, the Bible says, that we of all people are the most free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I think we should stand for our freedom and not put ourselves under bondage. However, Paul also said, don't use your freedom as an occasion for sin. So I'm free to be able to do anything that doesn't lead me into sin. I also wanna use my freedom for my own edification. I wanna draw close to Christ. I could watch anything. I could listen to anything while I'm driving to church tonight. If I were alone, I would listen to something that edifies me. I've got podcasts that I listen to. I would listen to something that would feed my soul, feed my spirit. I'm free. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer it this way, Daniel. I don't believe that people can't watch it. I don't believe that it's necessarily sin because someone does watch it. I think it depends on the person. If a person is influenced by it, if it leads them to think there's some power in the occult, if it leads them down some sinful road, then yeah, don't watch it. Do those things that edify you, which is what the Bible tells us to do. But we don't wanna make rules. And this is what people did for a long time. 
You can't have buttons on your clothes. You can't dance. Uh, you can't uh, go to movies. You can't, you know, whatever. They, they made a lot of rules. When we become legalistic and think we're okay by them, when that confuses people, and people think, well, I'm saved. I, I don't go to dances. I'm saved. I don't watch any, you know, horror movies. And I, I don't watch horror movies. And the reason I don't watch them is just because I don't want to. I have no desire. There was a time when I had a desire to see them. But I don't have any desire to see them now at all. It's just I don't want to. And uh, I think that that's a lot of what will happen with us is we don't want to do those things. And those things that entice our flesh, we really have to examine and look at because we don't want things to lead us into sin. So we want to use our freedom to be able to share Christ, our freedom to grow in Christ, our freedom to be edified. We don't want to use our freedom for our flesh. And so that should dictate what you watch, not because you can't watch it, but because you don't want the fruit that comes from watching it, right? You want to do things that are going to lead to righteousness in your life, not difficulties. So all of these shows that you're mentioning, Daniel, uh, spiritual personalities, demonic possessions, um, I'm not saying that I would never watch a show, but I'm saying for the most part, I'm just not interested in these kind of shows. And um, I don't know, there could be people who would watch it and not be affected at, it at all. To them, it would just be entertainment. And maybe, you know, they're growing and have plenty of other input for spiritual growth. My, my question would be, if you're watching these things, are, are you praying, reading your Bible, going to church, listening to podcasts, doing things like this Q&A? where you're taking time to really focus in on the things that God has for you and the things that God wants for you instead of doing those things. So I think that's a great question and it, it speaks to the freedom that we have in Christ and that we want to use our freedom for good. Our freedom is like power. Use your powers for good and not for evil, all right? And um, don't quote me on that one, all right? Use your powers for good and not for evil. Use your freedom for good and not for evil. You can quote me on that because I think that that is really true. All right. <clears throat> Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that and good to see you and I appreciate you. Um, um, psych man, if I'm nowhere near answering your question, are you talking about the resurrection? Then did we have the right passage? Um, I think the passage that you gave, is it talking about the resurrection of Christ from the dead? So, um, yeah, my current understanding is because they were being persecuted. Because they were being persecuted, they were denying the resurrection. Mm, maybe go back and read it. Or if you got a question to clarify it, just ask it. All right? I'd love to take a look at it. All right, Requia, good to see you. We have a question from Requia. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Requia says, hi. Hi. Uh, thinking of when the Israelites were conquering the promised land, Achan's sin. God was not with them in dire situations where two people think they are right. How do they know that God is with them? All right, so um, let me think of your question for just a moment. I'm gonna just talk through this a little bit. So they go after the defeat of Jericho, they go to Ai. Jericho and Ai are both military posts. And they are not supposed to take any of the um, spoils from war. They're supposed to leave them there. It's like the first fruits. They're going to go in and they're going to have battles and they're going to drive the people from the land. But they're not to take anything from Jericho. 
I think that's right, but for sure from AI. And Aiken goes in and takes a robe and a gold bar and hides them in his tent. And so then they go out, no, he takes them from Jericho, sorry. He takes them from Jericho. And then they go out to fight against AI and God's not with them because of the sin of, of Aiken. And Aiken and his whole family are punished because of that, which is, Boy, one of the questions that I have, why did God at certain times really come down on people and other times seem to not come down at them at all? And I think there's answers to that. But boy, that's a hard account for me when I read it, that his whole family is killed. Um, so your question is, oops, what did I do there? Let's get you back here to the right size there. All right, your question is, um, God was not with them. In a situation where two people think they are right, how do you know that God is with you? So are you talking about two people who disagree and one of them has to be right? You're disagreeing on something and one has to be right. How do you know that God is with you? Um, well, I think that's possible, Require for two people to disagree and both have God with them. Just have a misunderstanding about something. And um, look, I know, I know people who are godly, pastors that would disagree with what I believe. I hope I'm a godly pastor and we would disagree on things and that God would be with both of us. We're seeking the truth and trying to figure it out. I think there's certain reasons, underlying reasons, why someone would believe something different. For example, one pastor believes in a rapture and another doesn't and they disagree about it. One believes it's pre and one believes it's post. And, and we say, well, which one does God with? Well, God's with both of them. But one of them believes that Israel has been replaced by the church. And when they read of saints in the tribulation period, they, that's to them, that's the church because Israel has been rejected by God. We believe that God never rejected the nation of Israel and that Israel is being restored, that blindness in part happened to them until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And then they're going to all come to Christ and be saved. And that's going to happen during the tribulation period. So when you read saints in the tribulation period, it says they're Jews and they are. They're not the church replacing Jews. So there's a misunderstanding in a more foundational issue that causes people to come to different conclusions. I don't think that because you come to different conclusions means that God isn't with you. Our goal is to find out what the truth is. And if we have an underlying foundation that would affect us being able to understand the truth, then we want to get rid of that underlying foundation require. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, if, um, if I believe that God's word is more allegorical than literal, and we know there's places when it's allegorical, but I believe it's, it's more allegorical than literal. And I have a tendency to read the Bible from a non-literal position. I think that's a problem, an underlying foundational problem that's gonna cause you to believe a lot of things wrongly and gonna cause you to, to allegorize things that should not be allegorized. And so that's another one of those underlying kind of foundational things that could cause you to believe something differently. So I, I think that'd be the difference between two people. How do you know that God is, is with you? Ooh, that's a really good question. I, I sure hope the Lord's with me and I hope the Lord's with you. Um, God said he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think that there needs to be honesty, that there needs to be sincerity, that we need to be fighting against hypocrisy, 
that we need to make sure that we're not doing things out of selfish ambition, but doing them for God. That we need to ask God like the psalmist, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my way. See if there's any wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe because of my sincerity in wanting to follow Christ, that Christ is with me. If I don't have that sincerity, but I'm playing a game and I'm pretending, I don't think I would have that same confidence. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I don't blow it. Doesn't mean I don't need to be forgiven. But I do have that sincerity. And I do want to diligently seek him. And God reveals himself to those who diligently seek him. God said, you will search for me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I think that that is a key to knowing that we are truly walking with Christ. Um, also, I think a good sign that you have the helmet of salvation on, that God is with you, is that you want to do what God wants you to do. Again, it doesn't mean you always do it, but it means you want to. So the Bible says, if you say you love him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're lying. Now, we don't always keep his commandments, but we ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, that's in the same book. But what it does mean is that if, you're, if you say, I'm a Christian, I just don't want to do what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do that. Don't lay those trips on me, man. All of a sudden, I turned into somebody from the 70s. Don't lay those trips on me. Um, I, um, I don't want to do what God wants me to do, and I'm not going to do it. Well, then I would say, mm, I'm not sure that God's with you. If I said, I don't want to do what God wants me to do, a lot of times I think, God, I'm, I don't know if I'm doing what you want me to do. But if I said, I don't want to do what you want me to do, boy, that would be a sign to me that something really needs to change. I need a new commitment. I need a deeper commitment. I need a more powerful commitment in my life because of that. So that answers your, your last question, which how do you know that God is with you, which is probably the most important question that is there. But, and also how two people could believe different things and both be in love with Jesus and both have a strong relationship with him. All right, Requia. Thank you very much for your question. I really do appreciate that. Um, so, um, again, Psych Man, if you've got more, another question, if you want to clarify your question, I would love to answer it correctly. I, you know, if your question was about the resurrection and people teaching that there was no resurrection, Paul answers it in that section. So if it's another question, let me know. I just kind of looking at the, uh, the comment section here. All right. So I would love to, you know, to clarify. Uh, so we have a question from Renee. Renee says, uh, my daughter said Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons came to the door telling her that there's three heavens. The first heaven, if you do good, the second heaven, if you do better, and the third heaven is where you, uh, really, uh, if you're really good. So you can fail in different heavens depending, or you can fall in different heavens depending on how good you are. What scriptures can she use if they come again? Thank you, Pastor Furrow. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so I, so first of all, let me talk about your daughter a little bit. So the Bible talks about in the books of 1st, 2nd John, 3rd John maybe as well, that not to invite them into your house, not to have a meal with them when they're bringing false doctrine. And I, I, there were certain things that were cultural, meals that were shared 
where real fellowship and I think having a cup of coffee with a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness is not a violation of that. But what I would want to really see if you're going to do that is some real strength. If you want to interact with Mormons, then you've got to know what Mormons believe. If you want to interact with Jehovah Witnesses, you've got to know what they believe. So you are not tricked by them. And people are tricked by them. They will say, we're Christians. We're just like you. We love the same Jesus. And people are tricked by him. And it's a dangerous thing. And so I um, was a little worried about my oldest boy when I drove by and saw him in a Jehovah Witness parking lot surrounded by Jehovah Witnesses arguing. And I pulled in, it was, it was, that, that Kingdom Hall was not far from our house. And I pulled in and I walked up and I heard my son saying to them, and he's probably 16 years old at the time, if Jesus died on a cross or a post, what does it matter? He died for your sins. And I realized, you know what? He's okay. He's all right. Because they want to come in, take something that is sacred to you. They want to twist it. The Jehovah Witnesses especially are trained. So are the Mormon um, uh, elders, who are not really elders, right? They're, they're, they're on their mission. They're 18 years old and they're on their mission. They're trained how to interact against Christians, against Catholics, against um, other, other believers, and how to respond and the kind of things to say. And so I would just say, be careful. If you want to interact with them, make sure you're informed. And um, the whole third heaven thing, Paul says, I was taken up into the third heaven. The first heaven would be where birds fly. The second heaven would be where stars are. And the third heaven would be where God's throne is. And there's no passage in the Bible. Um, the Mormons have the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, the Book of Mormon, and another book that they try to explain the flaws that are in the Bible. So they have a different authority. And so when she says, the Bible says this, even if she could refute their three heavens from the Bible, they're going to say it's impure. Joseph Smith was told that God thought Christians were anathema, that they had gone the wrong way, and so he gave them the Book of Mormon so that they could be on the right path and be those who really and truly do believe. And so that's what you're battling against. They are not really knocking at the door and being honest in a lot of ways because they're not telling you everything they believe. They're covering some things up. The Mormons, for example, believe that Elohim was a man like us once. He excelled, he progressed, and he became God, a God, and him and other gods created our planet and that he has multiple wives and he has a body like ours, flesh and blood, that he has sex with and makes spirit babies. And he had sex with one of them, Heavenly Mother, and had the spirit baby Jesus, and then the spirit baby Lucifer, and they were brothers. This is obviously different than what, what we believe. They also say that Jesus progressed to the point that he's God, and they don't believe that he is the same, like we believe the Trinity. So these are greater issues than the three heavens, right? And she should know them. And it really wouldn't take her all that much to really discover it. Take some time. I'll, I'll give you a couple of resources, Renee. Um, Mike Winger, he is a Calvary Chapel pastor. I think he's a youth pastor, but he's a YouTube creator and he's great at putting videos together, pouring research into them, and then bringing the truth. And he's got some stuff on Mormons. I would suggest that you look at Mike Winger's stuff on Mormonism. Also, Alan Parr, The Beat. Um, he's got some stuff on Mormonism. Look at what they teach. 
listen to their longer teachings take time to really gain an understanding there may be some other stuff that's out there that's really good i'm not sure whether sean mcdowell has anything on mormons but that's someplace that i would check if i was wanting to find out more about it i would really have her she could do this within a couple of days pour into and find out what it is that mormons believe and then when they come back to the door they're not going to be talking about good better best for heaven they're going to be talking about this is a lie joseph smith is a proven fraud at the end of the book of Revel of genesis he wanted to put himself in it but he couldn't find any place for that so he wrote an extra section onto revelation i mean onto genesis and you can go to their version of the bible go to the end of genesis and you can read about him talking about himself we know the manuscripts don't have it so you can see where a, a, a regular bible a new king james and nasb uh, an esv bible ends and then read past it in their version now you're reading what joseph smith wrote and he wrote and his name was joseph supposedly copying it from manuscripts being given by god a proven fraud and when you find those things out that's going to give her strength she's going to be able to stand against these things there all right so um looks like our time is just about done um if you have a question i'm going to wrap things up so you could still write things out i will have this log sent to me and so i will have these questions that i can look at for future q a's and also if you have a follow-up all right so um it's really good to see you guys i'm glad you're here um i hope that you're blessed love the truth seek the truth and may the lord bless you and keep you find yourself closer to jesus than ever before walk in the spirit you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh live wholeheartedly for jesus delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart all right it's been good spending this time with you we'll have another q a on wednesday night um, we'll address the questions further and um psych man if you have further questions uh, you can either go on this video and ask them um, or you can i'm going to shut it off now so it, it won't the it won't stay um, for you um, just go to the where this is posted on youtube and and ask your question there and we'll try to clarify it all right want to make sure that we have that clarified all right god bless you guys love you